The Emerging Cricket Podcast is back with a bang. We've got a special guest for you this week with Vanuatu women's captain Selena Solman stopping by for a chat, covering everything from the glamour of Fairbreak to development work on the islands. But before that, Nate Hayes steps up to help with a preview of the upcoming Cricket World Cup League 2 fixtures, which are coming thick and fast. Enjoy the show. Well, with Tim and Bez both busy for various reasons, we've got the uh, second string emerging cricket team, you might say. Uh, Your host, Nick Skinner here with Nate Hayes, Emerging Cricket's USA correspondent. Uh, But we're actually not discussing the USA at the moment because the USA have been eliminated already. They've finished their Cricket World Cup League 2 allotted matches and there's nothing they can do. They can't make it. Uh, into the World Cup qualifiers directly. So they'll be going to the Cricket World Cup qualifier playoffs. But first of all, welcome to the show, Nate. Hey, uh, Nick, it's great to join you. Uh, I'm fresh off the bench here, second string in the game. <laughs> well, I think I think we uh, we both know a lot about coming off the bench in, in our various uh, sporting endeavors. So um, <laughs> that's that's something we've got in common. Um, but yes, just, just looking at the schedule coming up, we've got a lot of cricket coming over the next, uh, next couple of months. So the back end of Cricket World Cup League 2, you know, the run home, as it were, is basically being played all in a row. We've got three series plus uh, a couple of Namibia UAE games uh, squeezed in the middle there. And the Cricket World Cup qualifiers playoff is sort of capping everything off. So uh, we've got round 19 of League 2 with Nepal hosting Namibia and Scotland, and that's being played on the 14th to the 21st of February. Then Namibia make up those two matches uh, that they lost in 2021 uh, due to Omicron, um, and and they play those on the 23rd and 25th of February in the UAE. Uh, And then round 20 proper comes along, uh, and that's the UAE hosting Nepal and PNG between the 27th of February and the 6th of March. And then round 21 uh, ends the league phase of, of Cricket World Cup League 2, with Nepal hosting PNG and UAE between the 9th and 16th of March. And then the qualifier playoff itself is being hosted in Namibia, which is an interesting decision because Namibia are sitting pretty in third place on the uh, points table. And it looks like unless they (laughs) catastrophically stuff up, they probably shouldn't be at the playoff. But that will involve uh, USA, PNG, uh, Canada and Jersey, who've both come up from the Challenge League, plus two out of Namibia, UAE, Nepal, or in a very extremely unlikely circumstances, potentially Oman. And that's being played between the 24th of March and the 5th of April. So a, a packed uh, two months of cricket, basically. Let's start with round 19, though. Uh, Nepal hosting Namibia and Scotland. Scotland are already through, um, so they're going directly to the Cricket World Cup qualifiers. I wouldn't say there's nothing to play for, though, because Scotland, um, you know, there's a couple of interesting threads here with with Callum McLeod having retired, potentially Tom McIntosh coming in, who um, is 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 an interesting prospect for them. Has come through the under 19s. He was born in Madrid. 
So Spain might be uh, cursing that they've they've missed out on him, and and he's played a few matches for Durham uh, towards the back end of the last county season. But uh, yeah, a couple of the players involved have actually played uh, a fair bit at the International League T20 in the UAE. But I guess the headline story really is Nepal, and you know, um, without commenting on the the legal aspects of the case, Sandeep Lamachane, of course, being uh, included in the Nepali squad. Uh, whilst awaiting trial for the rape of a minor, is is a very controversial decision from Can. I'm interested in what your thoughts are about this, but I'm also interested in how the home crowds are going to take it because there's been some chatter, at least, uh, around a potential boycott and and some protests. I know emerging cricket friend uh, Depeche uh, has been involved in, in, in some protests against Can's decision to play Sandeep with with a rather clever hashtag cannot. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I, it's it's kind of a, a strange story, but also you know the the chaos amidst the chaos, we have Monty Desai being uh, appointed as head coach for Nepal. Yeah, a, a lot going on as always in Nepal. They're hosting. Um, but they're going to need a, a spectacular run home to make direct qualification uh, to the World Cup qualifiers. Uh, whereas, yeah, basically Namibia only need a couple of wins here to pretty much secure their place, and and Scotland are already through. Yeah, it's it's a long road for for Nepal. They have an awful lot of games coming up. Um, yes, they're featuring in all three of the series. Right, and and, and to kind of flesh out a little bit of the context here, what's happened in Nepal with uh, Sandeep? So he was released on bail promptly put into the team by Nepal kind of got a hero's welcome from his fan base then there was an article that came out originally in the Canterbury Daily which is a Nepali language paper uh, written by a writer named Tufan Niupani who specializes in writing about court ethics and things like that 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 happen that go go on in Nepal and he wrote an article that was kind of showing the the point of view from the alleged victim and the things that she's been dealing with from his fan base, and it's been pretty severe stuff. That article got an awful lot of sympathy. It was eventually published in English in the Kathmandu Post, and that generated an awful lot of sympathy for the alleged victim. And there were protests, as you said, about the the team selection, putting uh, Sandeep right back into the team. And as you, as we have discussed, a lot of these boards don't feel the need to address some of the decisions they make to the press. They don't feel the need to even acknowledge the controversies, USA being one of those boards at present. Uh, But yeah, Nepal does not seem to feel moved at all or obligated in any way to um, address this situation. And so, like you said, it'll be very interesting to see if these protests continue. Two of these series are in Nepal upcoming for them. And I think that enough of the public now is 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 kind of sympathetic with the alleged vi- victim that this could be a real uh, this could be a real event. Yeah, well, uh, just on that, you know, Sandeep is out on bail. He's had to hand in his passport so he can't actually travel, which means he'll be missing for those matches hosted in the UAE. So that's kind of puts a dent in their plans for a heroic run home with, with their leading bowler basically, yeah, not allowed to leave the country. Taking a, There's a couple of things going on here, and, and obviously I'm kind of wary of commenting on, on the actual case itself. Um, certainly in Australia, there was a high-profile case um, of sexual assault allegations that went to the media and um, and I mean, I don't know how the Nepali court system works, but in Australia, 
more or less the the actual trial was uh, Im- impossible to run because there'd been so much media kind of coverage of, of the case. Um, so with that in mind, I don't want to talk too much about the specifics of the case, but just looking a little more broadly, I don't know. I mean, what does this say about Can that they, they can't even put out a statement addressing the situation in some way, explaining their actions? Because, uh, yes, on the one hand, you know, Lemachan is out on bail and, and cricket is his job. And, you know, in theory, when you're out on bail, you, you, <laughs> you're allowed to work. But looking at it from the other side of things, I can also see why a lot of people would be unhappy about that decision. And if you're a cricket board making a controversial choice like that, you really should be explaining it. And But this is just the, the latest in a long string of decisions from Can that that haven't been explained and, and, and there's really no communication and listeners who've uh, who've been paying attention to the show for a while will know that we, we've certainly gone over the issues uh, in terms of on-field stuff in the last few episodes. So, yeah, it, it's just really not good enough from Can to be posting the pictures of the team training and, and, you know, motivational quotes and whatever on their social medias because realistically this isn't something they can just pretend isn't happening and i think it's only going to get worse in the absence of them actually addressing it yeah and really you gotta you gotta wonder about the intelligence of picking him in the squad when he can't attend one of the trips so he'll miss a third of the series because he can't leave the country he might be found guilty in which case he won't be on your team for a really long time he's definitely missing the qualifier playoffs which is almost certain that they're going to be a part of you know they're 21 points now outside of the top three they would have to win pretty much all their games from now on and get some help from people from other teams losing in order to not have to play in the qualifier playoff so if it's me if i'm picking the team i'm gonna go with okay let me prepare some guys for that qualifier playoff let me get some of the guys who will be able to play in the qualifier playoff let me get them 12 games right now well, I mean, that's <laughs> that points to a recurring problem for Nepal in that they've really struggled to provide consistency for their teams. You know, they they chop and change so much with their squads. Um, guys come in and out. They they play well for one or two matches. They get dropped. They come back. They get dropped again. It's it's just a you know rotating carousel of of names. So even leaving aside the the Sandeep issue, just giving a, a core squad that you're going to go forward with twelve games in a row would be pretty helpful. So I mean, yeah, as as I mentioned, Monty Desai has been named as the head coach. So I suppose you know partly this is is going to be on him. Um. So but hopefully he can at least provide the rest of the team some level of, of continuity. I mean, Desai as head coach is, is an interesting decision. Uh, he's He's been involved a couple of times over the last little while with Nepal. Uh, he, he was a consultant, um, I think, back around 2015. He was a, a batting consultant. Um, he was also involved with the under-19s, I think, in 2019. Bertus Jong made a, a rather pithy uh, <laughs> comment here describing the situation as musical chairs but with the same people and the same chairs forever uh, which pretty well sums it up uh, having had Pabudu Desanayaka move between Nepal and Canada a couple of times and, and Monty Desai being sort of uh, rotating between those two countries a couple of times as well yeah I mean on one level I, I don't really see what difference it makes because uh, CAN are clearly dysfunctional as an organization um, so you know, whoever the head coach is they're going to have a lot uh, to deal with, you know, before they even start trying to get the team on the field. 
Um, Monty Desai, in in his time with Canada, I, th- I think he was quite quite competent. I, I think you know he's, he's had a, a fair number of gigs around the associate world. He knows the game at this level, which is is pretty important. And uh, we 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 actually. It was a point that we raised that they put out the announcement that they were looking for a coach was that you know knowledge of the associate game wasn't even uh, wasn't even listed as a requirement. So it's good that they've actually found someone who does know the associate game um, because yeah you know, I I think that's that's very important. Um, hopefully uh, Desai can stick around and and provide that continuity that we talked about. I I think you're right. They they should be looking towards the uh, qualifier playoff rather than, you know, hoping for a miracle. I know I know miracles are in the, the Nepali cricketing character, but it would make sense to, to try and create a, a solid squad. Yeah, it's it's almost <laughs> the idea that they would be playing for a miracle right now is almost insulting to everybody placed above them in this in the uh in the table because that's just it's just simply not going to happen. And uh so yeah, they, they they should definitely be playing for the qualifier playoff right now. They should be playing to prepare for that. They actually should use this as an uh, to their advantage because the, you know they're going to be playing the most games between now and the quali- qualifier playoff. So they they could end up being the sharpest team in the qualifier playoff if they if they play their cards right, if they do things right. They they're going to be two of the series are at home. They have an opportunity to be kind of comfortable and build to the climax of the of the qualifier playoff. Yeah, and I mean the qualifier playoff uh, will be held in Namibia, which which is um, you know different conditions. But um, I, I think one interesting point actually in terms of preparing is how the tracks are going to play at the TU ground uh, in Kathmandu, because we've seen a couple of different <laughs> modes of the TU ground, and you know, sometimes there's, there's a couple of those T20 series that Nepal have run. Um, they've they've rolled out just absolute roads. But it can be can be quite a like a slow low deck as well at times. Um, so it'll be interesting to see which way they go on that. And I don't know if there's how much kind of mind games are they trying to predict uh, what tracks they might be coming up against uh, in Namibia at the playoffs. I don't know. So that'll that'll be something to keep an eye on. Just looking across at Scotland, as I said, they've already qualified for the World Cup qualifiers, so they won't be at the playoffs at all. But just on your point about you know preparing, I think this outing for them it's their last series in the uh, cricket world cup league two so i think it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they experiment with their team and and um as i mentioned uh, tom mcintosh a couple of other new guys coming in george munsey hit a couple of 50s in the international league uh, t20 so i think it's still worthwhile and, and good match practice for scotland and it sort of gives them a bit of a head start in in what they might be looking to do uh ahead in june at the qualifiers yeah and and they pretty much got it wrapped up first place almost completely wrapped up they need three points pretty much to lock in first place uh, they got four games to do it in i think matter of pride i think they're going to want to win as many as they can, you know, so I don't know how much they're going to toy with it. But yeah, yeah, I mean, once they do get that, I mean, like like you said, they've clinched one of the top three. They've all but clinched first place. So, yeah, maybe they will. Maybe they will experiment a little bit with their with their with their team. It'll be really interesting to see see how, how they come out. And of course, the third team playing against Nepal, Namibia, with uh, the recently named ICC Associate Men's Player of the Year, Gerrit Erasmus, uh, captaining as usual. Um, he had a fantastic year last year with the bat. Pretty handy time of it with the ball as well. Um, he also uh, hit a couple of uh, useful contributions in in that international league uh, T20 over in over in the UAE. Uh, David Visa, who has been 
pretty much the best or second best, at least, bowler in that tournament. Unfortunately, not available for Namibia due to his his franchise commitments. Um, that's sort of always been the understanding is that he'll he'll play for them as as long as it's not conflicting with his franchise work. But yeah, kind of the the usual squad that you would expect from Namibia. Um, no real surprises. Um, you know, your, your key performers will probably be the same. And I, and I assume their <laughs> their challenges will be the same in that the the batting can be a bit hit and miss. Other than Erasmus, um, you know, a couple of very talented young guys at the top of the order, uh, in you know Michael Van Lingen, uh, Jan Nikolov de Eaton, although he seems to be finding his way uh, in the middle order. Um, you know, the bowling Bernard Scholtz will be key if those decks are more on the low and slow side. Um, Ruben Trumpelman, Ben Shikongo. Um, kind of, you know, a lot of the, the expected names. Uh, Jan Freilink, who has recently announced an overseas contract uh, playing in Scottish club cricket. Um, so, you know, good luck to him with that. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we know what to expect from Namibia. The question is just whether their, their batting can get it together, uh, especially against Scotland, who, who do have a slightly higher standard of bowling than you would think uh, Nepal. Yeah, I, I think so, and, and we do have some interesting spinners on, on each team who, who could take advantage of uh, conditions we're anticipating there. So, you know, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, Scotland and Namibia match up against each other, the last, Scotland's last series in the in the Cricket World Cup League 2, and I think that the, this is going to be, you know, pretty much the top two teams right now in, in, the, in the tape, well, the top two teams still playing right now. So it's going to be a it's going to be a great matchup, I think. Yeah, and they've had some they've had some pretty exciting uh, tussles over the last you know the last little while in in League Two. The most recent League Two series uh, played over in uh, in Namibia in December of last year. Um, we saw some some pretty entertaining matches. Uh, Scotland got the better of Namibia in the first match, and then Namibia uh, squeaked home against Scotland in the second matchup by only three wickets. Uh, with Jan Nikolov Eaton taking them home in that game, the the bowling was pretty dominant, and this is again the the issue for Namibia. I think their bowling is strong enough. You look at that lineup; uh, they are missing JJ Smith, which is uh, an interesting development. We haven't heard why, but one would kind of assume that his his knee is troubling him again. Um, he, it's been kind of a recurring problem, and and something that is starting to to be a bit of a uh, a bit of a handicap in his career as as it's going along. Uh, you know, he's missed quite a lot of matches. Um, if it if indeed it is that knee, um, and and that does leave a bit of a hole in their bowling lineup. But I think they've got enough depth. Jan Nicola after Eaton again. If 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 spin conditions are favourable, he'll he'll probably bowl a few overs. Uh, Picky Yar France, one of um, one of my favourite cricketers in in all of associate cricket. Really, you know the the, the fact he's he's gone from um, being a, a dour top order batter to kind of a he's he's a real utility player you, you know he bowls very handy off spin he can come in basically anywhere in the batting lineup and and provide some handy runs uh he he's opened up his game a lot and and he's able to hit uh quite powerfully down the ground yeah i, I think Yafrance is a, is is a great cricketer and um yeah hopefully he gets a game too but um again the the bowling side of things uh, for Namibia is is pretty you know it sort of looks after itself whereas the batting is is the real question mark for them yeah and two of the best performers in 2022 uh Mark Watt and uh Bernard Schultz uh we you you and I have talked a bit, great deal about 
Bernard and how he absolutely owned USA this year. <laughs> so it'll be it'll be great to see, you know, but to hopefully we'll see Mark Watt out there and we'll we'll see a nice little uh face off from these two fellas. Yeah, I think uh I think Scott's averaged something like 7 with the ball against the USA. It was uh, absurd. Which, it was so yeah. low that you can't even remember it. It's single digits, anything in there. <laughs> and in the TU ground, uh, you know, I watched a lot of the Nepal T20 league and I would say for most of that for uh, in the T20s, these were T20s of course. But yeah, the ground did get a little bit more difficult to bat on as the as the uh tournament went on chasing became more of a more of a challenge but uh, you know i would say about 150 was par in the t20 games uh so and i think we're gonna you know which is kind of what you would expect there but as the tournament went on you know 130 was kind of par so yeah i i think we're gonna see a little bit of that which is what we what you kind of expected at tu as a, as a series wears on yeah so this series will be of course uh scotland and namibia's last outings in the Cricket World Cup League 2, although Namibia have also got those um, those makeup games uh, scheduled uh, for the UAE just before uh, the next series, which um, which will involve the UAE, Nepal and PNG. But uh, yeah, this, this one, round 19 of Cricket World Cup League 2, starting 14th of February, and I assume it will be on ICC TV. Uh, the quality of the broadcast, <laughs> as ever, remains a bit of a question. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll be interesting to see how um, Namibia and Scotland round out their series and whether Nepal can, um, I guess, overcome some of the internal problems and, and <laughs> start putting together a, a, a competent run at the qualified playoffs, which which are coming down the road. And, and that's going to be kind of the game within the game, really, as we, we enter the back end of this, this League 2 is teams trying to qualify but also teams who are, are falling by the wayside of qualification just looking to prepare for the next thing which will be the the world cup qualified playoff hi i'm fabio marabini from the italian cricket board welcome to the emerging cricket podcast Well, it's a pleasure to be joined on the Emerging Cricket Podcast with Vanuatu women's captain, Selena Solman. Welcome to the show, Selena. Hi, and thank you. Now, you're currently in Brisbane, and you're sort of jetting around Australia just back from a fair break series in Canberra. Could you tell us a bit about what, what was going on there? Um, so, we um, the last week we had like the full five days, seven, six days of cricket in Canberra. So, we were playing against the ACT a cricket squad in uh, Canberra. So, yeah, we had, like, girls from, obviously, 11 different countries come together to play um, fair break. So we just finished fair breaks. I'm here in Brisbane for a little bit holiday and then going back to Adelaide again for my cricket season. Yeah. So you're playing club cricket in Adelaide, is that right? Yeah, so I'm playing club cricket for Adelaide Cricket Club in Adelaide right now. And and is that a, a common thing for Vanuatu players to be uh, playing club cricket in Australia? Not really, not a lot of people do it, but we're starting to do it because we believe that this is the only chance that we get to play quality cricket because uh, obviously we don't have turf wickets back home and most of our competition are on turf wickets. And right now there's only me and the other one of my other players, uh, my other teammates, our friends, uh, that we've been trying to get visa since last year to come here. But we finally got our visa to come for a fair break and also to play half of the season. So we are here playing club right now in Adelaide so all good now for now 
Well, that 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 does sound like it it should be helpful uh, for for some Vanuatu cricketers. Um, now, just sort of backing up a little bit, you've been associated with the fair break concept for a number of years now. I, I believe you were among the first uh, when when the the whole project started. Can you tell us a bit about the the whole history of that and and how you came to be such a <laughs> such a, a long running part of it? Um, before I get into it, I'm just gonna tell you a little bit about how I started playing. So. I started playing cricket because of my cousin, which, so I grew up playing netball. Um, I used to play netball for Vanuatu, but I stopped because I got into more cricket. So um, I got into cricket because of my cousin. So I, when we were younger, he used to make us play cricket in the mud, like, because he used to go learn cricket and then come back. He used to, a little bit of bully, but he's still playing for the men's team right now. Um, which I'm very grateful for him to make me play cricket. So who's, who's your cousin? Nalini Pico. Uh, so, yeah, he's my first cousin. So he used to um, sort of make us play cricket for fun in the mud, like on the rainy day, and then we made <laughs> the steals. He said, you can't play uh, cricket because w- we were looking for boys to play mixed netball. And then I asked him, I was like, do you want to come play mixed netball? He was like, no, because I went to one cricket training and I was like, nah. I'm going back. The ball is too bad. I don't want to worry. So he was like, if you can't play cricket again, and then I'll come play netball. So I went back. And then, yeah, I am still here. Um, around the same year I went, I met Sean, which he's the founder and um, the CEO of Fabric. Sean was back in Vanuatu. He was doing some charity stuff. So he saw me. And so he was like sending messages to get me to come back to play. Like he was like, oh, tell Selena to come back, like sending all these people to come. So that's how I met Sean back in Vanuatu. So he went back to Australia, obviously. And then when they started to program their break, that time he he was working with one of the legend of the game, which is Lisa Steleka for cricket. And they started fair break, which they started in Auckland. I think it was 2015. So they sent the invitation to me and, two of my other teammates from Vanuatu to go to training. So, yeah, we went there. Since then, I've been part of Fairbreak. Yeah, yes, I was one of the first to join Fairbreak. I'm very grateful for that. And I'm very grateful that I'm still here. So that's how I got to join Fairbreak and I'm still here. Well, um, <laughs> that's that's quite a story, uh, playing cricket in the mud with, with Nalan Nipiko. Did he ever play that mixed netball game? I'm, I'm just trying to imagine Nalan playing netball. He, he did, and I think he played quite a little, like, few more. Um, and, and we finally got a lot of cricket boys, actually, to play mixed netball. But uh, I don't think our coach was really happy. He's like, oh, no, the knees, you know, you're going to hurt your knees. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think that would be a, that would be quite a sight to behold. Um, so we, we saw last year that Fairbreak expanded from the these you know one-on-one team series uh, like you've been playing in Canberra and there was a major um, sort of franchise style competition in the UAE and, and this year it's going to be held in Hong Kong as well as another edition in the USA now having having two fair breaks or sort of major fair breaks in a year how do you see that helping the women's game you know both in Vanuatu and I guess more broadly we've we, you know sort of uh, this is coming in a in a time when we've seen the women's Indian competition go for mind-boggling amounts of money. Um, so now that there's kind of a bit of professionalism, how do you see it all developing? Um, for my person, I think coming from Vanuatu and also being one of the person that 
boy in the fabric since the beginning. Um, seeing fabric growing this big, uh, it's it's a dream come true because I feel like for some of us, especially the associate countries, first of all, we get to play in the big states, um, but get to play amongst some of the best cricketer, women's cricketer in the world, which I don't think a lot of people got that opportunities. But for like some of us, we got that opportunity, and I feel like. Yeah, we. I'm very grateful for this opportunity. And also as for the girls back home, I hope that if they see me and Rachel now playing for Fabric, they will get motivated and they will want to do better Um, and to, you know, maybe probably the next one to be in the Fabric. And I think Fabric, honestly, I believe that Fabric is the future because they're giving opportunities to girls that never thought that they would have this opportunity, such as me. And I've like, and I've seen a lot of girls that, you know, didn't like, they couldn't believe that they were playing against, you know, Heather Knight, Stephanie Taylor, and all, you know, all these plays that you, you watch them on TV when you start playing cricket. So yeah, uh, for me, I think it's boosting the games. It will make uh, a lot more people um, watch the women's game which that's what we want because we want the same support that the men's are getting. We want the women to get it as well because we play as good cricket as much as the boys. So I think it's it's very good that Fabric is doing this just so, you know, to give opportunity to everyone that deserves to be in there. And I think one thing I really like about Fabric as well is they don't actually choose people from because of where they come from, but because of what they can give and what, you know, how they can play and, that's why they give them opportunity, and I think that's really, really good. Yeah, I mean, just thinking about last year's fair break and seeing all these cricketers from around the world and, and learning a bit about their stories, it was a great sort of a celebration of, of cricket's diversity. Um, I, I'm just thinking on a personal level, uh, you, you mentioned that, you know, how important it was to, to be playing with and against some um, you know some big names in international cricket. How has that uh, sort of shaped your your game personally and, and you know what have you learned from from being in that environment? I honestly when I got there I was like I was nervous and then I was talking to a lot of them and they were like cricket is all about you know your mind you know just because we played in the World Cup doesn't mean that you know we're better or we we know more than you do so you just have to play your game go there focus on what you've been learning at the end of the day you have the bat and you're only facing one ball at a time so you just play your game and I've also like they've also encouraged me to be I going to fair break you know I've grown so mature like in terms of you know uh talking to my girls because I've been around amongst like some of those I now I know more how to talk to my girls rather than oh um I don't know what we're doing but like right now I know like oh no this because of this and I encourage my girls a lot that you know we work hard because we are better. We deserve to be here. And for me, going to that like has grown so much in the game and also outside of the game. So I'm very, very grateful for that, like going to that. So it's helped your leadership skills. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I mean, you are the captain of the Vanuatu team. And I guess looking at uh, Vanuatu's on-field series, uh, most recently there was the Pacific Cup. Um, towards the end of last year, uh, which was quite a quite an interesting tournament uh, with uh, Fiji, PNG, uh, Samoa, and of course Vanuatu involved. Some good Pacific rivalries there, and and growing regional connection. I know, speaking uh, from the I guess administrative side, Tim is keen to continue growing those those connections in the Pacific. Um, there's a lot of quality in cricket around the Pacific. 
what, what do you see as, uh, I, I guess, the relationship there kind of developing and, and maybe the benefits of playing more in, in the local region? I th- honestly think it's good because like a long time ago, like we, we only we had to wait for two years to actually play a qualifier. And I think them coming up with the Pacific Cup, it will give a lot of girls us what something to look forward to every year because back home it's very challenging it, just to give girls in cricket. If we have um tournament every two years, next year we will lose girls. But if we have a competition or something to look forward for, and then we'll have the girls there to train and they will look forward for the competition because also we have seasonal working and stuff like that. People are going out, but with this specific cup coming out so we can play um, amongst our region gives the girls so much, you know, confidence because they're like, no, we played this all the time. We play against them every time. We don't have to wait for two years to play against them. So when we go to um, EAB qualifier, and I feel like, this will give the girls more confidence that, no, we've been playing them for so many years. We've got this. Um, and also give us the chance to play a lot of game to, you know, to have more practice because we don't get that a lot. So, yeah, I think coming up with the Pacific Cup is a very good idea. And hopefully it's get bigger and better. Yeah, yeah I, I know in a lot of associate countries, um, just having regular cricket is good obviously in terms of practice and match practice and, and staying, you know, keeping your skills up. But but also, <laughs> I guess when there isn't much cricket happening, it's hard to motivate players. And, and we know Vanuatu over the pandemic years, especially, you know, there wasn't a whole lot going on and, and it must have been difficult to keep people in the game. You mentioned the seasonal workers program and, and that's something that the the men's side has had uh, some issues with as well is, is keeping keeping guys playing cricket rather than obviously going off and, and you know, pursuing their, their careers. And this is, this is again, something we hear, you know, all around the place in, in associate cricket is just how do you keep people in the game? So I'm kind of wondering, you know, having more uh, cricket locally in Vanuatu and, and, as well feeding that into potential opportunities like, for example, Fairbreak or, or maybe other franchise tournaments down the line. You, you know, how, how viable is cricket as a career and, and how much does that motivate people to sort of stay interested in the game or, or even to take it up in the first place? I think for a lot of us, coming to cricket was just something that we do for fun. But right now, honestly, like things like Fairbreak and stuff like that, it will definitely motivate the players. But it's still hard. Like for us, for me, like I really want cricket to grow because if we want, you know, we want to have a good team, we need, first we need to start in our local competition. And if we don't have a good competition, where are we going to get the players? So I think this is one of the things that we um, as an association and as players, especially the women's, um, we struggle to, even try to motivate the girls to stay because we know we cannot force the girls to stay. And if we're not giving back anything to support them, but all we can do is, you know, encourage them to come and play. Um, as for some of us, we are very fortunate that we get to work for VCA and we get a little bit of, you know, help money from VCA. But for most of our players, they don't have the same opportunities that we do. And it's very um, hard to keep the girls motivated, but hopefully the girls will... Uh, find some you know the love that we as some of us have and the passion that we have for the game to want to stay to want to get better and have the same opportunities that we do like that we have right now and i guess sort of focusing more on the um the on-field side of things you know at that pacific cup 
uh, Vanuatu was, I think it's fair to say Vanuatu was a bit off the pace compared to PNG. It was sort of PNG and everyone else. Um, they have historically been the strongest side in the region, although we, we also saw Indonesia beat them uh, to, to make it to the Under-19s World Cup, which was which was a great story. So I guess where do you see Vanuatu compared to PNG and, and um, you know, what do they have that Vanuatu doesn't maybe or, or, or how do you think Vanuatu can catch up? I honestly think that we just need a lot of more exposure. Honestly speaking, I don't think we're not that far from PNG. We just need to get more exposure. And like I said, the girls just need more confidence. And this like this sort of stuff, like uh, Pacific Cup and all that, it helps us a lot. As I mean, as you can see, we almost beat them in the Pacific Cup. We we were very close. And I I'm, honestly, I'm, I still talk about that game to right now because every time we played against them, like we were always you know, get smashed. But that time, like, the girls were, like, fighting. They never stopped fighting. And I think that's one of the things that I, I really love about uh, our team is that every time we come, even though we lose, we, we know what we're going to work on. And I don't think we're far. We're far. If we work, we have a lot of young talents and very good players. And if they keep playing for, let's say, five, four, two years, I mean, what is stopping us to beat PNG? I know we can do it, so... I mean, they're good players, but we are good players as well. So at the end of the day, it's a cricket game. So I, I like I said, what's what's stopping us from winning PNG? Yeah, and um, you mentioned Rachel Andrew, obviously uh, the the all rounder. She also is involved uh, with the fair break setup. Uh, Valenta Lengiatu had a had a great series in that Pacific Cup as well. Who are some more uh, names uh, coming through the Vanuatu setup that we should keep an eye on uh, in the upcoming year? Lei Maratashiki, obviously, and we had some young players who couldn't make the team because they had schools. Chilean, uh, Chilia, which one of the Alvina Chilia's younger sister, she's a weaker mm-hmm. keeper, but um, she didn't get to train because she had schools. Uh, Miley's, Miley's yep. Carlo, those are the girls that I honestly, like, you know, I watched them, you know, because I'm older than them and I've watched them grow and got more confidence every year. So, yes, I know a lot of good players. So, I mean, <laughs> I'm very excited for what the future holds for them, honestly. And I'm very excited that they are coming up to represent Panuatu more years to come. So, yeah, excited for them. Yeah, well, well, we'll get the chance to see them in action this year. There's there's quite a lot going on, both in terms of men's and women's cricket. Uh, can you just run us through the upcoming uh, calendar for Vanuatu? So next month, we have the Pacific Cup again, which I'm pretty sure it's run by the Australian military in Fiji. So we'll be going on that, and um, which both men and women. And then we have the Indigenous cricket, April to May back home in Vanuatu and then the women have um, the EAB qualifier again this year in August uh, around August and then the men's have the uh, World Cup qualifier in PNG in July which is very exciting um, hopefully some of us get to go and watch and we have under 19 as well this year um, in Darwin so yeah a lot of Vanuatu cricket is very busy this year but it's good it's good it's been a very long time since you know nothing happened so mm. we had a very busy end of towards the end of year last year so this year again is very busy and i think it's good very good to give the uh, players focus look forward yeah definitely and and i guess as a as a spectator we're all um very interested in in keeping an eye on on the cricket on the field 
Um, you mentioned that a number of the players are related to other players, both in the men's and women's setup, uh, including <laughs> including your cousin. Um, it's, it seems like there's a, a lot of family connections in the women's program. Uh, just tell us a bit about the cricket scene for women in Vanuatu uh, in terms of you know, participation and, and team numbers. So most of the girls that play, because our friend, either our friends or our family, to you know, we bring them in to play. We've had a good maybe two years of club cricket, um, and then when COVID cup or came in and we lost, so now we only have sixteen because we've lost two teams, which a lot of the girls left for work, seasonal working, and then some went overseas to study and all that. So you you had eight teams and now there's six in the club setup. Yeah, so they're trying to. Um, bring the other two team back this year for the tournament because our club cr- cricket hasn't started yet. Only the men's right now back home. So we're trying to, you know, find more girls, ask our friends to bring other friends again to come and play. So uh, hopefully we can get the other two team back to play so we can have a team. But I think that's one of the things we, we had when COVID came, we had, a lot of negative, but we also have, for us, the women's, I feel like we had a lot of positive out of it because when we came back to the South Pacific game, we, we had some money left. So we the girls decided to um, go to Santo and start club cricket, which in uh, 2019, 2020. So we started club cricket there. So now they have their own competition that they run there. So, yeah, I think instead of us using that money to go to another tour, we didn't. it didn't happen. But we are we were very happy that we get to start something so we can get more girls come and play for Vanuatu. And which last year we had one of the girls that we started club cricket there. She was playing rugby, but she made the national team to play in Port Vila in the Pacific Cup. So yeah, we had some good things coming out of COVID. Not all negative, but we had some good things coming out of it. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah. yeah so so you talked about Santo and, and they have a club tournament there, and obviously. There's the the premier competition in Vila. Um, just talk about the development side of, of the game here in terms of, I know Vanuatu is made up of a lot of islands and, and it's sometimes difficult to, you know, <laughs> get between them. How, how do you spread the game uh, around all of Vanuatu in, in those circumstances or is it still very much focused in Vila? Um, so a few years back, it was just Port Vila, Port Vila, Port Vila. No one knew about cricket. Because we had, we used to have majority of the players from just around Efate, which mainly village, because they have like some amazing good cricketers from Vanuatu are from there. So they, you know, their family, friends get motivated, they can't play. And then we had throughout the years, we had players from all the other islands that live around Port Fila coming in and then started motivating their friends, their family, and then more people from other islands coming in. So we started, now we have like a novice in Santo. Malekula, Antana, which where I come from. So I think that's the start. And then we're going to go to the other islands. So what we do is we go to schools and we teach. So that's one of part of my work, which I help with the development. So we go to schools, we teach um, kids about cricket. And then we sometimes we go to the islands to if we don't, we're not busy in Fort Villa, which is going to help our other DOs in the other islands to go out, spread the words about cricket, what cricket is, because obviously cricket is not bigger in back home. Um, soccer, everyone knows soccer, soccer, soccer. Not cricket, not as much as cricket, but when we went in um, Tana last year and before last year, I think it was in Malakula, and then we saw the growth of the kids that they were interested because 
you know, people from us, like we were going and we were helping, we were, you know, developing the game. So, yeah, and I think that's how the cricket is going to grow because we had deals from in another island just around Port Vila. So now we have a lot in Port Vila, but we also have offices in the other islands to teach cricket. And that's how we recruit players too, because we teach them in school. And when they grow up, they play under 13, under 17, 19, and then they come play club cricket. Most of them, they don't stay that long to play. But, you know, at least it's something that we teach them. And then we still, after they go to school, started working and they come back and play. So, yeah. So what, what's, I guess, the sort of pathway like there? You mentioned the, the DOs, the development officers, introducing the sport uh, in schools, and, and that's obviously very important. But, you know, when kids decide that they like cricket, where, where do they go from that? So what we do is we go to schools and then we give contact and stuff like that. And if you want, uh, so if you're under 15, you have like the parents need to sign, obviously, because the ball is very hard and, you know, we don't want to put any kids in the risk. So we give them that. So if they're interested, they call also. But because we go back to the same school, like almost every two weeks, so they can just come and talk to us so they can call the office or because most of the kids most of the players, the national players, they live, live almost everywhere in Port Vila. So if it's in Port Vila, they can just go talk to them and they can bring their form so they can register and stuff like that. It's free to register and all that to play cricket. And But if they are in the islands, they will talk to whoever is responsible in the islands and they will call and the, or they will call that person and then they will start form a team and play, come and play in that team. So there's there's uh, youth club leagues in around the country. Is that is that how it works? Yeah. So it's we just call it like under twelve, thirteen, and fifteen stuff like that. So we do it, we we do it almost like every two months that we get all the kids to come to Corman, which run by all the national players and who the person responsible for the competition and stuff. So all the national players just help out. If they have nothing, no training or nothing, they can just help. Yeah, and and so just on that with the professionals and and the contracted players, you've got a contract with Cricket Vanuatu and I know a number of the men players do. How many contracted players are there? Um, and, And sort of talk us through what you're doing when you're not just playing cricket because obviously the role involves a lot of development work as well. Yeah, so uh, the girls, there used to be four of us, but we lost one. She went to uh, seasonal working, but thank goodness her boss is very good. She's still playing and she's still part of the team, but she's just here right now. Um, so and right now the girls, only two, and the boys, I think the whole team, everyone. So for I'm just going to talk on my uh, like the lady side. So what we do is if we don't have the training in the morning, we have uh, we help out with mama's cricket, which island cricket island program or we we also work around like social impact which we go out to the communities the schools to give up awareness about gender-based violence and all that the violence um or we help train the mamas help out with the umpiring and stuff like that if we don't have training this that's what some of the things that we do so if we don't have training we have to do because it's part of our contract that we have to do it so yeah, it's it's fun, fun. Either we're training, it's fun, or we with the mummers is very fun. So yeah, or we go to schools. Yes, the the mummers uh, Pacific cricket 
program is is something that uh, is is very interesting, and and um, you know we've seen a bit of that in various uh, kind of broadcasts coming out of Vanuatu. Uh, a, a dis, sort of a, an exhibition match of Pacific cricket, which is uh, <laughs> a, a, quite a quite an experience to to watch. Uh, tell us a bit about Pacific cricket and, and what it is, and and how it sort of uh, relates to the the Mummers program and what what that does. Every time they make me smile because growing up in the islands, you never see Mummers have a lot of that fun. I'm not saying that everyone, but like you don't see them out there having fun, doing a little bit of exercise. You know, growing up, it's always, oh, no, because you're a woman, stay home, stay home, do this. But I think one thing I like about cricket, uh, the Amamis cricket, is give the mamas the opportunity to have fun, but also do some exercise, you know, like because of NCD and all that stuff. Um, I honestly really love, like, helping out with the mamas because you get to see them um have fun, but also encourage other people to uh, come on. Like we, I remember last year we were talking about me and like one of the aunties that runs the competition, which is Helba, and she was telling me about one of the other lady that she used to have like a bad knee or something. She used to like have high blood sugar and stuff like that, or high blood pressure and stuff like that. And then when she started playing, she's she's fine now. Like because she was dancing and, you know, doing all this fun stuff. And she was telling me, and I was like, no, she doesn't look like she was, you know, she used to be like really sick. Like she used to stay in the hospital for month, month. And she was like, yeah, because of that. And just to see a lot of positive things out of it. And you know that, oh no, if, if you, if I feel like if I ever am ever done like playing cricket, I have something else to go to, you know, build a community. And the fun thing is the good thing about it is that not, they don't just come and play. Uh, what we do is, give them opportunities to also learn other stuff apart from cricket. So what Fanatic Cricket does is help them, um, take them, learn, teach them how to show, or they take them to their programs who will teach them like how to cook healthy food and stuff like that. So I love uh, island cricket. Honestly, I love it. And I think it's very exciting. The fact that I think for mamas is they wear their comfortable clothes which is the island trace and play with it. And I think that's how they feel most comfortable. So I'm happy for them. So it's it's a very fun game and it's growing very fast um, compared to more, like our modern cricket, like what I play, hardball cricket. So we started Tana last year and then this year they were calling and they, they said they want to have 19 team. And then I remember my boss, the auntie that I work under in cricket, she's like, how are we going to do that? There's only two people working in Tana. Like, how are we going to do that? Because, <laughs> you know, because we were, when we went there studying and then like we had all this positive, positive, but we don't get that all the times from the papas as well. They were like, but we want to play island cricket too. Is, is it just for the women? And we were like, might as well just start a men's fan. So yeah, like mm. all this positive stuff coming in and like for us that works in there, it makes us feel, you know, motivated and we want to do well because they love it and they want to be part of it. So, yeah, that's how I love. Uh, I love, I have so much love for that that game because you get a lot of good feedback from people because they're very happy that, you know, we're helping the, our communities. Yeah, Pacific Cricket, or, or um, I think some people call it Kilikiti. Uh, it, it's uh, it's quite a sight for a sort of traditional cricket viewer. To it's it's kind of it's quite mind bending because it's, it's, it's recognisably cricket, but it's just just a bit different. Um, so I, I certainly encourage our listeners to uh, to to check it out and and see if they can find some some footage of it being played. It, it's yeah, it's definitely 
quite entertaining. And and just on that though, you, you mentioned the kind of social impact side of the program and and the women's health program that you're running with the Mamas Cricket. Um, and and also the the gender based violence programs. Uh, what is uh, cricket Vanuatu doing in that space of of social impact, as well as just trying to get people you know picking up a bat and ball? Um, I think for us, the Vanuatu cricket, that we want everyone to come to cricket grounds and feel safe and feel accepted, no matter what gender you come from. And that is why, like for us, we take you know those. Um, stuff very seriously and for us to go out teach the kids uh because like i said again in the islands it's very different like for the kids it, it's always the mass that are ahead of the everything so like we we try to teach people that you know if we if i work hard enough we and if we work hard enough we should get the same opportunity it doesn't matter what gender you have uh, or if like he or she is good enough in what he does. Why is he, he getting better than he, she or she's getting better than him? Like, so, yeah, basically what we do is we want the safe environment. That's most of all. We want people to come to our cricket and feel accepted no matter what gender they are or whenever they come to cricket, to watch cricket on um, stuff like that. And we feel that it's very important for us Um we started in our game first, like in the grounds. We started with the players. So what we do is we went three weeks of training. Um, for us, us the girls, we learn it first. And then we came and then we were talking about it with the boys. We were asking ideas, how are we going to do this, this? So we, four of us, the girls, when Falenda was still working with us. So we had four of us and then we went to training and then we came back and then we we had the meeting with the boys and all that full week of meeting and then we came up with ideas how we're going to present those stuff to um, kids in school or kids in the communities or how we're going to make parents understand because this topic is very sensitive, like back where we, like most of us come from, um, especially where I come from. So what we did is we got ideas from boys and then we wrote like books and how we're going to add traumas, little traumas. So uh, that's how it helped us a lot, not just for us, the women's player, but for the men's as well. And like for me, seeing the men's, the, the men's national players helping out and doing those that kind of stuff, I was honestly very surprised and very proud that, no, we were going the right direction because everyone was very passionate about what we were doing. Um, so yeah, and we are still doing that right now, which is very good. We like, I'm sad that I'm not home right now to help because everything has started, but I'm going back home soon. And then, we, you know, we're gonna start again. So, yeah, like that's basically how we started. And then we taking it to schools in communities. And we also talk about it with our families. Still, some families are not accepting of this kind of stuff, but it's okay. We're going slowly. And, you know, we're, we're seeing progress. We're seeing kids replying and asking questions. So, yeah, that's how we know that we are going in the right direction. Yeah, and and the Vanuatu social outreach component of, of cricket has been a key component of the development program uh, generally, which is, um, yeah, incredibly impressive in, in, you know, it's a relatively small associate nation and and, and the impact that you guys are having is quite incredible. Um, Just, you mentioned how you were working together with the men's team and and this is something that, it it goes for on-field stuff as well. I know that the the women often train together with the men. How, How does this kind of dynamic work of, of being basically one unit uh, as sort of Vanuatu cricketers rather than the, the men and the women being sort of separate teams? Yeah. Honestly, for us, 
I, I don't know why, but like when I talked to other veterinarians, I was like, oh yeah, we've trained with the boys. And they're like, so you allowed to train with the boys? And we were like, yeah, because we don't see it. Like, you know, we don't see that any different. And we had some amazing coaches that come in and they encourage us to, no, come and train with the boys. You know, like, you know, if you want to be better, just if you you don't have nothing to do, come and train with the boys. So we were very encouraged that, no, train with the boys so you can get better. And then the boys were very encouraging as well. They're like very encouraging, um, like come and train and all that. Like I feel very blessed because when I talk about it to other federation, like I have friends who place other sports and like, you know, male, female sports and stuff like that. I said, oh, yeah, we like. We didn't have training today, but we we had training with the boys. Like you were allowed to train with the boys, mm-hmm. and the like other boys are like you know very like much stronger. And we were like, yeah, but that's good for us because we you know we have the advantage. We can get better, and like it's not like the boys are trying to kill us. You know, the boys are trying to help <laughs> us because you know, get stronger. So yeah, I think one of the things that made me very confident, uh, like personally, which I was playing against the boys, and I was very. Are fortunate that the men's club that I play for, uh, not the father and the men's team, they allowed me to play as well with them if the women's don't have competition. So, and I think this is what we want. We want, uh, you know, uh, inclusivity, like in th- this is what we were encouraged to do, mm-hmm. that no, everyone should be the same. So, yeah, playing with the boys, and I think everyone should do that. Like if we want we want to help each other we should work together instead of oh no because at the end of the day we are one family like you know we are part of Vanuatu cricket all of us not because oh no they're men's team or they're women's team or don't get associated with us no we are one team so we should do that like I don't see what what's the point of you know calling each other family but at the end of the day we can't even train together or sit together and talk together so I love my cricket family and I think that's one of the things that I'm proud of because the girls and the the men's and the women's team work so well together, together and they're very supportive towards each other, towards each other's uh, you know achievement. So yeah, I love it. I just think my family cricket is the best. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's 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 definitely something I've I've noticed in a, a limited time uh, with with the Vanuatu team is is that family aspect and and how important that was. Um, and I guess uh, stretching that metaphor a little bit, um, <laughs> you're you're looking for a new family member in uh, in the form of a coach. You know that was uh, Ben Cameron had to uh, move back to Australia and. You know that that that's happened a few times. You've had quite a lot of turnover in recent times with coaches. What's some of the, I guess, challenges of you know not having that continuity with the coach? And what are you hoping for with the next one when that you know might eventually happen? First of all, I'm gonna say stay longer and give the players a chance. Like honestly, um, I because I've seen like personally, I've seen some of the boys like they were talking, but I know they were really sad because. They felt like no one wanted to be there, like no one wanted mm. to train us. They, they were not sure. But I'm I'm just going to say, like, hopefully if we get someone who wants to stay a bit longer, maybe complete their contract and, you know, give the players a chance and, you know, allow the players to give him a chance as well or, or him or she, who you know, whichever coach we're going to have. Like, all I'm going to say, give the players a chance and let the players to give you a chance. And please stay longer when we don't fight. <laughs> stay longer. <laughs> Well, that's a very good message to any prospective coach uh, looking to to work in Vanuatu and uh, probably a a good place to wrap up the interview. Uh, Selena Solman, thanks very much for joining the Emerging Cricket Podcast. Thank you so much, Nick. Thank you.
That's the show for this week. Thanks a lot for tuning in once again. And if you liked it, please do leave a review and a positive rating on your favorite podcast app as it really helps us to get the word out. Bye for now.